Hey guys, welcome to EverOrg. Today we have my colleague Brant. Brant is a very successful investor, entrepreneur, and YouTuber. One of the primary ways he became successful is as a salesperson in Silicon Valley. Today he's going to help us explain how to make over 200k a year as a salesperson. Or if you're like Brant, he made 250k in one year, one time as a salesperson. Brant, can you help us out? Can you tell us about your beginnings and how you started off as a salesperson, and then we'll go on from there. Max, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I graduated college in 2007, and I don't know exactly what the demographics of your audience are, but in 2007, 2008, the economy was kind of imploding. And so I'll just tell you real quick, I graduated college May 2007 from University of Kentucky. And before I graduated, I was transitioning from deciding not to go to law school and be an attorney, which is what I always assumed I would be, but I, would, didn't, I didn't want to go into debt after learning from doing an internship with the district attorney's office, like how much debt people will go into. And this is 2006, $7. Now it's way bigger. My dad keeps up with finances and things, you know, and he told me how the subprime mortgage industry was really bad at the time and it was turning. But guys in my fraternity and guys who I respected who graduated a couple of years older than me, who I knew since I was very young, they graduated college in like 2005, six and started making lots of money in the mortgage industry and already started becoming managers. So that lured me in and I became a mortgage broker in 2007 in May after I graduated. And I did that for about 10 months. I had some good months, but I had some really bad months. Good months means that I made over $10,000 a month in 2007 dollars in Louisville, Kentucky. You go on that path, you can buy a house outright, but it was causing the global economy to explode based off the subprime mortgages. My dad warned me of that and he was right. And I saw it firsthand as the economy started turning literally weekly. This stuff had never been done before. There are people sitting next to me who have been doing this for 30 years, being a mortgage broker, never seen the regulations changing this fast. Long story short, I decided to follow my passion and move out to San Jose, California, Silicon Valley to get into alternative medicine. And I sold nutraceuticals for a few years, but then I got into what I was really passionate about, not just medicine, but technology. I joined a startup. We got bought by HP. I stayed at HP for a few years. I went to a video conference company for a few years. We didn't get bought out, but I was smart and I realized, get out. I should have got out earlier when I realized they weren't going to get bought. They weren't going to go big things. You know, Google Hangouts kind of took over our code and squashed it. That's what Google Hangouts is now. I realized that everything is about either getting acquired or doing the acquisition yourself. Or if that's not going to happen, then something else really exciting better be happening. And those things weren't happening. So you have to pay attention to all those things. And it's hard now in 2020 to balance those things of like, you know, am I going to get acquired at this company or am I doing the right thing? So those are the kind of things that hopefully I can share some insight in because I've, I've been acquired by two other companies after that. Companies that have been successful in sales. And then I've learned that investing is really how you make the big money. Once you have enough money saved up, you have to invest it intelligently. And then from there, sky's the limit. So what I took from that was the first thing you did for your career is that you figured out where there's a lot of growth. That is the key right there. And you're, that's why you're smart. That's why your audience is smart. Because that's the first thing you picked up on. You got to be looking for growth. So let's pretend I'm a young guy 
person. I get out of college. I'm 22, 23 years old. I want to be a salesperson. I don't want to go to grad school like you. I want to be a salesperson. So the first thing I should do is I should look for an industry or location. Like what should I look for exactly? Should I look for an industry that's growing really fast? Or should I look for, should I look for the highest paid sales job? Or should I find an industry that's growing really fast and go there? What should I do? It's a great question, Max. And you actually have to look for both or you are screwed. Because one or the other isn't going to do it. You got to look for both. And so that's what's difficult. And that's what, you know, things are changing. That's why I tell my story about, you know, 12 years ago or so. And I will also share with your audience what I believe is the truth right now for where you should be going, what you think you should be thinking about. Because if you think in 2020 that Mark Zuckerberg would be starting a social media company, then you are already on the wrong mind path. You know, you're not thinking properly. It's all about the two things. So you have to learn about what's growing the most in technology. And then you have to learn about where do I go to grow the fastest for the people who understand this. Okay, so let's let's help people out. Let's say I want to go into sales and I want to find both. So I'm looking for high growth and I'm looking for high pay. So if you were to advise you a really good friend of yours who's just getting into sales, if you can't recommend him a specific industry because it's hard, like you say, is there guidelines you can give this person or like something practical? It's like, hey, you should look into anti-aging. You should look into crypto. You should look into whatever. Like what pr- really practical advice would you give this person? Like what industry should they look at? What locations should they look at? Et cetera, et cetera. Max, it's a really good question, but it's also a personal question. So I don't want to just overlook that. You know, people sell things really well when they care about things, they're passionate about things quite a bit. So first of all, you have to have some type of passion in something. I've taken jobs where I didn't know anything about them before I joined them. Guess what? The learning curve is bigger, right? So the smartest people that I've ever studied and the most successful people, the Warren Buffetts of the world, they tell you something that might get lost on your audience. If your audience is 22, 23 years old, they tell you, do something you love. <sighs> when I was 22, 23, I, was, I just told you, at that age, I became a mortgage broker because I wanted to make money. I didn't, I didn't care about mortgages. So the point is, is, do something that you love. And if you're really good at it, you're either going to find out really fast by rising to the top, or you're going to either realize maybe I'm not that good at this, or maybe this is too competitive and I want to do something else to make more money. But I'll go extreme, extreme as far to say art, you know, whatever. Everything is sales. You know, you pose this question as sales. I can't express enough to your audience that everything is sales. If you believe in something, if you want to convince somebody of something, that is what sales is. So you can make a lot of money off of things that most people would not consider to be a traditional sales job. And you can make a lot of money if you're good at what you do. So, Okay, so great advice. You're probably going to do the best as a salesperson in stuff you enjoy selling. I think what we can say practically, what we can summarize is if you're looking to get into sales, look for an industry that's an upswing. Yep. And not parallels that intersects with something you enjoy. So for you, it was easy. You love anti-aging, personal health, stuff like that. So the first thing you did was you started sales in healthcare because you thought, I'm passionate about this stuff. I can really sell this stuff. I can sell health to people, so to say. So you got And to be honest, it got me out to Silicon Valley. They paid for my... This is actually important to the story. 
they were willing to pay for my travel. I mean, I'm, I'm 22 years old. The economy's crumbling. I don't have much money. How much do you care about me, Mr. Employer? You know, these are things you want to be thinking about if you're at that age. You don't want to go further and further into debt. That's the trap. That's part of my story that I decided not to go to law school and go into further into debt. I decided, no, I don't want to be in debt. I want to make money. I want to start learning about business now. I don't want to learn about, you know, theory of business and business school or whatever. I want to start making money now. I'm hungry. So that's an important part of the story that I don't want people to get lost. Okay. You, you got happily pulled into doing sales at this health company. I assume you did well there because it's something you enjoyed selling, which catapulted you into something that you also grew to love, which is technology. Is that right? Yeah. I want to be honest though. There, there were about 25 people there. I did decently well there. I was in the top 20. There were a few people that were selling better than me. I didn't feel it took an adjustment to learn this. There were people in their thirties that had been selling this for over a decade. But here's an important lesson for your audience. Mm -hmm. After about a year and a half, I figured out enough enough to realize like, I wanted to get out of here. I didn't want to be a 35-year-old, this company, making a rising 5, 10, 15% salary at this job every year. Boom. My first tech job in 2010, I almost doubled my base salary. I more than doubled my on-target earnings by getting into tech. This is an important detail that I'm sharing with your audience here. Don't be stuck in whatever you're in at the time. It's a growth mindset that's super key for you. You know, Keep a growth mindset because it's even more important now, 12 years later than it was in 2008, nine when I was doing these things. So super important. We're still on this intersection between passion and growth. So you found a way to still sell something you enjoy while finding something that's even more high growth than the current field you were in. So you still had the same two values, but you actually found a better version of those two values, you would say, right? That's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm extracting from what you're saying, I think. Max, you're completely correct. And one final thing that I want to point out is that I was living for a discounted price off Craigslist by living in a five-bedroom house in San Jose, California. And it was actually one of the guys who ran the house, who's now a good friend of mine, who got me into the tech world and got me kind of discounted into this world. Mm-hmm. I say discounted in the sense that my pricing for my net worth as an individual, as an employee, raised because of my connection to him. So networking is key. We'll, we'll get to how I worked at LinkedIn and learned about networking Mm -hmm. And networking is a huge component of this conversation Mm -hmm. that people should not underestimate because it's super, super important. So number one, follow growth and passion. That's like the first major step. Number two, don't be stuck and make sure to connect and network with people as, as much as possible. That's step two. Okay, so now we're on step two. You knew that you don't want to be stuck. You were open to new ideas. Your roommate or, uh, got you a job in tech. He got you into tech. Still something you enjoy. Obviously high growth, especially at the time. So now you got into software. You're at this software company. What should we know next? The company was called 3PAR. It was in Fremont, California, which is the East Bay, the East San Francisco Bay Area in Silicon Valley. This is 2010. And it was a sand storage company. So sand stands for storage area network. And we got acquired by HP very soon after I joined. So I got lucky in that sense. 
And we also had a booth at Oracle Open World about a month after I joined in 2010, where our booth had a very, very good strategy of having a Tesla Roadster at our booth. People are dropping their jaws. To paint the picture here, I think Oracle Open World at the time had over 40 countries that were joining. Now it's even more. If this is people from all over the world, this is the largest technology convention on the planet. And just about an, one mile, less than a mile south of our headquarters, 3PAR, we had Tesla's global manufacturing headquarters. So we had a partnership with them. And this is where I learned about Tesla. I learned so much about the value of marketing. And people were coming up to our booth. They didn't care about 3PAR and our technology. They wanted to see this car, this Tesla Roadster. And I didn't know much about the car. I'm not a car guy. It was kind of mm -hmm. funny, but I had to learn about it to sell 3PAR. So the key story here, the key lesson here is that learn about what your customers care about, right? Listen to your customers. If they care about something, you should care about something, or you should at least care about why they care about something. It was a valuable lesson that I learned. It helped me sell 3PAR better. And eventually I'm a Tesla, you know, investor now and i've made a lot of money off of that yeah so you doubled your salary from the nutraceutical company to three part a little bit less than doubling my base salary but with the on target earnings they offer me and that i gave i'm more than double yes okay so where are you at now salary wise at, at the peak of three part where are you at at the peak of three part oh okay so let me answer the question first first it was like ninety five thousand dollars in 2010 and that's more than doubling. So that shows you how crap wow. money shows you how crap money I was making it. This is supposed to be America. I'm not supposed yeah. to be lucky just to have some crap job making crap money, you know, but that's what I had to funnel through. That is the drive. You gotta have your why. And that's what pushed me through. It's like it's like this is bullshit. I shouldn't just be lucky to pay for some crap, you know, apartment. I try to be positive, I tried not to complain. But it is crazy when you're working your ass off just to basically like pay rent. I, Elon Musk was in Palo Alto at Zip2 in the early to mid 90s, literally showering at Gold's Gym down the street. Yeah. He didn't have enough money. Like, can people really fathom that yeah. in 2020? Are people really willing to sacrifice to create their dreams, to make their dreams come true? This mm -hmm. is the biggest thing. We can go over my story, Elon Musk's story, people's stories. You got to sacrifice, man. You got to mm -hmm. understand what it takes to succeed, and then nobody cares about you. So we got passion. Don't let passion get in the way of growth, though. Make sure you don't get stuck. Make sure you're always open to new opportunities. Let me say one thing real quick, okay. Max. A, a really smart guy is a scientist. His name is Dr. Michael Fossil. I interviewed him about a month ago. Mm -hmm. This is hilarious. I said, I always like keep an open mind. I like the quote, make your mind open because a parachute only works when the yeah. mind's open. But he said, don't let your mind be too open to where your brains fall out. Yeah. Okay. So that's the balance, right? Keep an open mm -hmm. mind, but not so open that your brains fall yeah. out. Stay yeah. middle grounded is a key feature here that like Naval Ravikant talks about. Yeah. And it's the middle way. That's the really key that's hard to walk that type yeah. rope. Yeah. Okay. Don't just believe anybody who tells you they'll have a the better opportunity for you be smart about it okay excellent thank you for mentioning that so now you're in your mid-20s uh, around there you're probably making 100k a year 
how, how are we getting towards the 200k mark the three-part company that i was at we got acquired and for 2.4 billion dollars and my ceo made a hundred million dollars personally his name is david scott and i realized that he used to work at hp and that he left and started this startup and then a few years later him and his buddies that all used to work at hp made a lot of money he made a hundred million dollars personally and i knew him on a personal level and i still do and that's when i realized holy shit, this is just a big game oh my god all three of these guys made the most money they all actually were in the same fraternity at boston university and back in the late 80s and so this is how the world works and so if you want to make a lot of money you got to take big risks and you got to network with the right people how do you think david scott randy seidel how do you think these people like left hp started this company three par you know and then sold it back to hp about seven years later then you start to realize this is how the game works this is like a lot of how silicon valley works and so the pieces of the puzzle start to come together. And the more the pieces of the puzzles come together, the more you start to realize how everything really works. And once I saw that, I realized, okay, I need to get into a company where I get in early enough to get good enough equity that they're going to get bought. So I left Hewlett Packard after I realized they were just a big bureaucracy. They weren't going anywhere. Are any of your viewers to 22 to 25 right now trying to get jobs at HP? I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet, Max. Any of them? Uh, none of my colleagues have mentioned work, that they'd want to work for HP. I do want to say I do respect HP as a company very much. Just none of my colleagues ever mentioned HP. I worked there for almost three years. Like, no disrespect to them. Let's just be real, though. Hopefully people realize this podcast is me being real. You know, there's no disrespect to them. But guess what? The world changes. Things change. People are not, you know, at 22 years old, their dreams. This is not just me saying this. You can look at the data. The best engineers, the best salespeople, they're not trying to get jobs at HP. I lived it. I can tell you exactly why they're not. HP is a bureaucracy, you know? Meg Whitman came in to be the CEO there when I was there. She created a new system called Bureaucracy Busters. Let me give your audience another lesson. If you have to create a system, a new like plan or whatever you want to call it, called Bureaucracy Busters at a company that is global with 330,000 employees, you have a problem. Right. And she was finally, she came in to acknowledge that problem because the previous CEOs could not acknowledge that problem. This is a very important point that I want your audience to understand. When companies get too big, they become bureaucracies. This is just how reality works. This is not something that's going to change. The key here is, is understand how reality works, understand things that will always be the way that they are differently from things that are changing. So sales, marketing, those things change a little bit, but the skill sets are really, really important and they don't change that much. And so recognizing a bureaucracy compared to a growth company that's not a bureaucracy is really important. And I can share with the audience some insights there, but a lot of it just comes from experience, seeing it happen and being honest. Okay, so we're probably at the final phase here where, so we started with looking for growth industries but if you really want to make the big bucks in sales long term you recommend not just looking at growth industries but looking at companies with a lot of growth primarily 
ideally high growth startups that share equity. Is that right? Yeah. That's all very accurate, but one little caveat I'll give is that the really great big companies like the Googles of the world, the Apples, they recognize these big growth trends and they try to get ahead of it years in advance and acquire them if they can, or if they can't acquire them or don't want to, then they try and create it in-house, spin out the technology. My next company I was at, Video, V-I-D-Y-O, it turned into Google Hangouts. Google was our biggest customer. They stopped. They didn't renew their contract one year. They basically reverse engineered the software, even though we thought we weren't giving them the full keys to the castle. They figured it out because they're the best software engineers on the planet. So it's lessons that you learn. The engineer of our company video, he it was an engineer in the 90s and early 2000s, and he was brilliant. He was at Cisco. His name was Ofer Shapiro. But he was not really a great business person and a CEO, but he stayed the CEO and all this stuff went over his head. And I realized this stuff in video, I got out and I went to lynda.com because I knew e-learning was growing. And then lynda.com got acquired by LinkedIn and then LinkedIn got acquired by Microsoft. So next thing you know, I'm working at Microsoft, you know, making $250,000 a year. So important for, for people watching. So you got to understand the people watching this are probably young, excited, or they're switching careers to sales and they're also excited. So they're excited. So you told them, okay, uh, Brent told me to focus on industry. First, I have to know that I have to enjoy what I'm selling. Right. To a so that's number one. We, we, we all kind of got to eat lead to a certain extent if you want right. to make money. But yeah, like I give mm -hmm. that advice. You should be doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to have the capacity to enjoy what you're selling. Then they, you also have to make sure that the industry you're in is actually growing. And then you have to make sure that you're never stuck in those. So you pick those two things, but you're not stuck there. You're always looking for new smart opportunities to grow as a salesperson because you're always, you're selling yourself, not just products. That's number three. And number four, super important. When you become a good salesperson, you probably want to start looking for opportunities where it's, you're not just in a high growth industry. You find a company that's really high growth. It's kind of like a rocket that you could latch onto and make a ton of money because the company is like a rocket. Max, yeah. you're totally right. It's an extra insurance policy because even if you're wrong about that particular career path that you're on, that industry, and it does slow down, then you have a quick transition plan to go into a different career path within the same company. So what was happening at LinkedIn is that we were acquired, lynda.com was acquired by LinkedIn. We became LinkedIn's fourth business line they had their traditional monopoly business line and then they had three others. We became the fourth and because we were the fastest growing, what do you think all the other people wanted to go into? They all wanted to compete to get my job. Well, if you're going to compete to get my job, it gets interesting then. I start having Harvard and Stanford graduates come set meetings for me. You know, like that gets interesting. The dynamic switches quickly, right? And so it's all about getting ahead of the curb. That's what it's really all about. And that's where, you know, my years of research, I put in the research, I did the work to understand how technology was going to progress to see these trends happen years before they happened. 
And that's why I got set up in that way. It wasn't because of luck. Some of my colleagues were there because of luck. Wasn't wasn't me. So the real thesis of this video, the real thesis of what the people are watching is that if you want to make the big bucks in sales, you got to think ahead of the curve. You have to figure out where the market is going. Because it's super far ahead, not one yeah. year, not two years, five, ten years. So Correct. you figured out that Linda online education is the future. And so you got onto that rocket ship. Kind of Linda. I learned that e-learning was growing like crazy. So I said, what's an e-learning company I would consider getting in at at the right time. And Linda.com presented itself. And I thought they were in a good positions and they had a good office that was near me in San Francisco I actually had a commute for an hour to get there. I didn't tell you that, but they paid for my Caltrain, you know, fee. And I decided you know, that was a huge deal. Like commuting an hour each way. Okay. So you started making the big bucks. You started making about 250K a year, two to 250K a year at Linda. You figured out that I want to make- That's without equity. They gave me really good equity too. So the what, well, that. That's just salary. We'll get into that right now. So you wanted to make the big bucks. You wanted to get ahead of people. You wanted to find a rocket ship that's going really fast. And you figured e-learning is the industry to get into. It's a technology field, so you're into it. So you got into Linda. It got bought out by LinkedIn. And so not only were you making big money in this super like high growth company, in this super high growth industry, but you also started making equity, right? So can you just like, can you just really get into that? Max, you and I didn't talk about this like off recording. It's a little bit proprietary, but let's just mm -hmm. say that I made like good money equity. You know, people who know okay. this stuff can probably figure it out. It was, okay. uh, it was the final straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, that got me to like leave my job at video and take that risk. Mm -hmm. And it worked out really well. All, you know, lynda.com actually ended up getting acquired by LinkedIn and then LinkedIn got it end up acquired by Microsoft. So my Linda.com stock got transitioned without me controlling any of it to LinkedIn. And that LinkedIn stock transitioned to Microsoft stock. Again, I had no control over this as long as I stayed at the company. It all just kept growing and compounding. Yeah. So you made a lot of money in the LinkedIn acquisition, and then you made even more money in the Microsoft acquisition. And then you held on to that stock because it's a, a like great company and great companies buy other great companies. So you held on to that Microsoft stock and now you're, you've been making money passively all these years, even after leaving this job. So you've been making over 200K a year at this e-learning company that's been acquired by two other companies Plus, you're, you've been making passive income this whole time via stock. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I think, well, I, I, think I, even, I hate even like talking about it like this. It's even weird. Sure. I have like, I have a little bit of like imposter syndrome. If your audience isn't sure. familiar with that, then Google it. Mm -hmm. But it's just the message is just keep working hard, you know? Yeah. Things that I care about the most. Keep working smart. And yeah, thank you. Thank you. Because Max, like you could have worked hard in mortgage banking. You could have, you probably would have worked way harder in mortgage banking, but because you enjoyed what you did and because you invested very intelligently with your career, that's like, it, it's not just work, working hard, it's working smart.
Max, let me tell you something real quick. When I was at the mortgage company, I asked a lot of questions. And a lot of the people like in my cubicle and on my team were like, Brent, why are you asking so many questions? Do your job, sell, and shut up, basically. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what they were saying. But because I kept asking so many questions, because I think I'm a relatively likable guy, I ended up figuring out kind of how the mortgage industry worked. And then I researched that further because I was just curious on the internet and I kind of learned how money worked on the planet, you know, all of it. And I went as far down the rabbit hole as most people can imagine. There's a book right here. I'd highly recommend this book. Niall Ferguson, The Ascent of Money. It's a really good documentary by the same name on YouTube, four hours. It's from like 2010, but if you want to know how money works, most people don't understand how important this is. That led me into cryptocurrency investing. We haven't even talked about that. That's where I made most of my money. And guess what? It's all private. So <laughs> I don't like to even talk about this stuff much. The government can't confirm it. It's all cryptographically protected. And um, I believe this is the future of money, even though it's been kind of a tough last couple of years, 2018 and 19. I just understand the fundamentals of this. And I believe that it's going up in the long term. Mm -hmm. I think the main thesis here is the better you are at knowing where the future of the market is going, the more lucrative your sales career will be. And Max, that's really the key. And the key is, is that when you're kind of hitting the gut a little bit, when the market pulls back or something, or it surprises you, that you have that confidence and that belief to double down and maybe buy more and get mm -hmm. more convicted Mm -hmm. Or to be like, oh, maybe I was wrong. And I'm not here to tell the audience one or the other. I'm just to help, here to tell you what I've done. And, you know, you should be really critical when the market or reality mm -hmm. tells you that you're wrong financially or you get fired at your job, whatever. But you should also be able to think. That's why emotional intelligence is so underrated. You should be emotionally intelligent to try and understand what the truth is and figure it out. And continue to get smarter as you get older rather than just kind of going up gradually like most people do. You should continue mm -hmm. to exponentially grow your wealth and your knowledge and your experience as you get older. Mm -hmm. Brent, thank you very much for your time. Hopefully you'll be back in the future. Thanks, Max. I really had a lot of fun here and I appreciate you having me on. Visit www.everort.com 